0: Welcome back to Cloud and Fire. I am your host, Jamie Crumley. This is Season 1, Episode 6, Sharing Divine Light. We find ourselves inching closer and closer to Holy Week. That week that we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. We remember the way that the people cried out to Jesus to save them. But today we reflect on a time when Jesus thought about his own death. When Jesus thought about the reality that he would not be with the people always and they needed to remember him. They needed to determine a way to walk in the light, even when Jesus was no longer with them. And what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you to essentially be without your training wheels? It's time for us to figure out for ourselves, what does it mean for us to walk in the light? And today, my guest and I are really going to be reflecting on that from the idea of Baptist faith freedom. What does it mean for us to be able to freely believe what we believe, to have freedom of conscience, to live and believe in the ways that we see fit? What does it mean that we have to be the light for each other? What does it mean that we are feeling around in the dark, trying to determine our way forward? What does that mean to you? I invite you to consider those questions as you listen to today's episode. And without further ado, let's get into the conversation for today. I will begin today with a few words of reflection from the Gospel of John chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 35 through 36. Jesus said to them, The light is with you a little longer. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become children of the light. Listeners, my guest today is Jennifer Hawks. Jennifer is a native of Germantown, Tennessee, and she is the Associate General Counsel at the Baptist Joint Committee, which is for religious liberty. She provides legal analysis on church-state issues that arise before Congress, the courts, and administrative agencies. She also assists in education efforts and responds to pastors and other constituents who have questions about church-state matters. Before she came to BJC, she was the director of advocacy and outreach services for the Family Abuse Center in Waco, Texas, where she conducted a legal clinic and led educational programs. She also worked for two judges in the state of Mississippi and served as a staff attorney in the the Mississippi Department of Human Services. She also served in both paid and volunteered positions in Tennessee, Mississippi, and Texas. She's a graduate of the Mississippi College and the University of Mississippi School of Law. Her Master of Divinity degree is from the George W. Truett Theological Seminary, which is at Baylor University. She's also a member of the U.S. Supreme Court, Texas and Mississippi bars, and she was ordained to gospel ministry by the McLean Baptist Church, which is in McLean, Virginia, which is one of the best states in the country. So Jennifer, I'm so glad that you are here with us and um, that you're joining us during this series in which we are considering what it means for us to walk in god's steadfast love which has been something that i think is so difficult for so many of us especially in these past 12 months um, where we all have experienced so much grief because of the coronavirus pandemic and yet i think there's so much hope even in this passage that we read today while jesus is telling his disciples that he'll only be with them in person for a little while longer but he reminds them to walk in the light so as a person of faith and also as a person who does legal work when you listen to that passage from the gospel of john what comes to mind for you uh,
1: well thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here today i'm i'm always excited to Work with some of our smart BJC fellows because you off, you also have a connection to my organization and so I'm I'm always always glad to say yes and be able to help when I can. Um, when I read this passage, honestly, the first thing that came to mind was when I was in high school, I, I did a leadership camp um, in California, and um, our first night we got there, the sun was still out. Staff took our bags to some gathering area on the on the property um but by the time we were done with our first evening of services um and programming it it was nighttime, and none of us had been to this camp before um and the staff told us how to get to our bags and then how to get from where our bags were to where the cabins were but none of us had ever been there before so none of us had any idea where we were going um some of us had flashlights in in, in our backpacks that that we had brought in with us and so um the visual that really stuck out from that first night of the leadership camp was we all gathered around the flashlights. Whoever had a flashlight suddenly became very popular and had multiple people around them because the flashlight could illuminate the path for multiple people. And, and, so, and so when I read that, it, it, just, it really just kind of stuck as, as a visual of, oh, this is what lighting the path means. This is when you are walking in darkness, especially if you're in a new place, you really do, don't know where you're going. Um, and so that's just I, I love when Jesus talks about light and path and, and 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 uh and and darkness because I always have that very strong visual of, and I don't even remember if I had a flashlight, I don't remember if if, if I was one that people gathered around or if I was one of the ones gathering around some, someone else. But it was it was an incredible experience of us uh, learning how to work together and how to walk together in the light that we have in front of us, um, even though it's a very um, physical example of, of of a spiritual truth,
0: definitely. And I can really relate to that. I remember when I went to grad school in Connecticut. Uh, when I would drive up from my parents' house in Virginia back up to New Haven, and I would go. I think it's like right past BWI, and you know, there's that straight path, and it's like woods on both sides. And if you go up there, the time of day that I like to go because I didn't want to hit traffic in New York City, so I would go at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, and it would be pitch black when I got to mm-hmm. that road and you needed the other cars there and you needed to kind of share light because it was so dark. And so mm-hmm. I just love that image that you're creating for us of these young people realizing the only way that we're gonna get to our bags and to the cabin and stay safe is if we travel together, we have to light the way for each other. And I really think that's a profound message of hope for us right now. So thank you so much for sharing that, that image. As I'm thinking about your work with the BJC, and that image of lighting our path forward—how does that resonate with you, especially doing the kind of work that you do in the legal field?
1: Um, it's a great question. At at BJC, we we work to uh, defend and extend faith freedom for all, um, and so we think it's a it's a historic American principle that um, everyone should have the ability to practice their their faith um it's unfortunately a principle like many american principles that we haven't always lived into as a society we, we haven't always fully uh, fully experienced it um and and so b bjc is is one of the organizations um in washington dc that um that is fighting to ensure that everyone has has the rights that we have as as christians as as the the dominant cultural uh, religious group um to 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 um worship um and and express our faith and and it even in modern times it's not something that all of our neighbors share um, within the last couple of years synagogues on both the east and west coast ha- have been attacked because they were jewish houses of worship um, it, the, 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 their jewish identity wasn't incidental to the to, to the attack that occurred um, and so it's important for us to be able to stand up that that even today in America, there are people who, are, who do not have physical safety to express their religious views and their religious beliefs. Um, and so, so I love that I get to be a part of this work. It's one of our historic Baptist principles for over 400 years, Baptists have said that everyone should, should have this freedom um, in part because if I don't have the ability to say no to something, then any yes I give is meaningless. So if everyone has to be Christian, it doesn't matter that you tell me that you're a Christian because you don't have a choice to not be one. Um, and, and, and so Baptists very early on fought uh, for religious freedom, not only because we were being oppressed and we did not want to go to jail and be beaten and whipped and all the other punishments that um, our early Baptist preachers uh, endured, um, but we wanted everyone to be able to have this freedom. Uh, so I love, we, uh, we work on briefs to the Supreme Court. We work on legislation with Congress. We work with administrative agencies. Um, and and I, I just love that we work across the aisle, we work with, we work ac- across the theological spectrum, we work with Christians, non-Christians, we work with religious communities, the non-religious community, because it is this American ideal th- that we share together, that everyone should have this ability, and, and each generation is living more and more into what that uh, looks like on, on a practical basis.
0: I'd love to talk to you a little bit more. What that brought to mind for me is I know that you're a Baptist. I know that you are from Tennessee. Is that right? Yes. And yes. so how does this fit into the kind of background that you came from? Did you come from more of a conservative background? Or has this always been part of what it means to you to be Baptist even when you were growing up?
1: I came from a, a conservative Baptist tradition. Um, but in my in my church, I was taught that God loved everyone and I believed my teachers that God loved everyone. Um, and so I, the, 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 the church I was a part of would not recognize my ordination. Um, and that is that is their right. That is their theological belief. Um, so it's, it's not a church I could I could be a member of um, in the future. But I learned many lessons and I am who I am today because of those lessons that, that I learned. Um, uh, I, I was also taught that there is there is one way to be Baptist. And then when I left home, I met a bunch of different Baptists. And uh, that's one of the things I like most about BJC is that we are supported by um, several Baptist denominations. And so when our board meeting happens, we have Baptists from a, from various denominations together and they all agree that everyone should have religious freedom for all, That, that that's the unifying principle but other issues they disagree vehemently on. And so it's fun to be in the room together and, and hear them talk to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and have profound disagreements, but they're able to unify around religious freedom. And so I love that about Baptist that we can come together on what we agree on and we're not afraid of the disagreement. We're not afraid of the messiness of um, allowing everyone uh, the freedom to read the Bible and pray and consult and live in your religious community and realize that, that, that it it may look different from community to community. Um, and that there's reason to have theological debate and, and conversation, but that, that is what, that is what living life together is. And that's what it looks like. And so, so I, I love that, that, that we are not afraid of the messiness. Um, like some of our other christian de- de- denominations that, that are more strict on there is one interpretation or there's one way to to, to be christian um, that historical experience has shown us that there are multiple ways that the, the 12 disciples reflected christianity differently so if if the 12 men who spent the most time with jesus um, had their own um, lived experiences and and it, it expressed in different ways with communities that they were talking to and engaging with um, then then certainly 2000 years later, it's, it, it's a tradition that has continued.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think at this moment, we're in a moment of, as a nation, extraordinary political divisiveness. And for, so what I hear you saying about your work with the BJC and getting to work with Baptists from all walks of life, is that one thing that perhaps Baptists can teach us through our interactions with each other is that there is a way to come together even in disagreement and to hold those disagreements and yet to light each other's path as that going back to that story that you told earlier about you and your youth group to light each other's path forward even though we don't all completely agree on everything to realize that jesus is the light and we have to figure out a way to follow that that light even in these times of darkness i think that's really important
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, that it, it is one of the things I love about being Baptist and I love reading Baptist theologians that I don't always agree with because they always make me better that they always make me think about something and, and refine something. And so, you know, I love being able to converse with them and, and, um, you know, the iron sharpens iron from, from Proverbs, you know, we're, we're going to approach things differently. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that, that the other side is my enemy. It doesn't mean that, that the other side, um, you know, has to go down in flames and in order for me to to be able to carry out my beliefs and and live out my relationship as as um, as I see Christ uh, leading me.
0: So. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing about the work you're doing with BJC. I, I would love to know, during these times of darkness and and challenge for so many of us, how and where are you experiencing God's steadfast love?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, ironically, in this time of a global pandemic, I am seeing God's steadfast love and community. Um, I'm naturally an introvert. Um, and so I sometimes get overwhelmed with social engagement. Um, and especially in DC, as a very in-person town. We do in-person meetings. We do in-person networking. and And so, you know, there's a lot of FaceTime with our work, and as an introvert, sometimes that can be draining. Um, But in this time of of pandemic, um, a group of friends of mine here here in the D.C. area, before the pandemic, we got together maybe once a month. We'd meet up at a restaurant after work uh, for you know for dinner, or you know to go go to a movie or or something else. Um, But in this time of pandemic, um, we have been meeting weekly. And so we, we get together on, on Skype once a week and just kind of check in with each with each other to see how everyone's doing. And that has been very life-giving and affirming for me. I haven't always been able to participate, um, but I have seen them more now in the pandemic time than I did before because our schedules were cleared. We're all working from home. Um, and so it, it, it's been really amazing to see God move through those friendships and that Um, And to because everything else is stripped away to really truly see the value of community and how we can be together, but probably a second runner up would be I love how churches are being inventive during this time of pandemic, because the old the old ways of doing things had to fall away, at least temporarily. Um, and so we had to figure out what is what is being Christ's hands and feet in the time of a pandemic. What does that look like? And so I've been encouraged by all of my friends who are pastors and my friends who are at other churches, j- just seeing what are the creative ways that that they have um, changed how they do things um, to to meet this to meet this new need that that the church has been confronted with.
0: Great, and I can really relate to the first part of what you said about seeing the way our relationships have been changed by this pandemic. I think. You know, even for people who aren't local, I live on the West Coast, but most people who I'm very close with live on the East Coast. And so I didn't talk to them very often other than my parents. And it was so fascinating when the pandemic came around, everyone was so longing for connection. And so I'm having so many more deep and rich conversations with people who I might have only talked to once every three, four, five, six months. And so I agree that that's been such a beautiful gift that people are recognizing A, that we need connection and B, that with technology, there's no reason why we can't check in with each other more often and check up on each other. And I think that's been such a beautiful gift that I hope we carry with us, even once we return to some sense of normalcy, I hope that's something that we carry with us. So thank you so much for sharing that. So you've talked to us a bit about the BJC, And so, if folks are interested in learning more about how they can get involved with the work that you're doing, or just learning more about the work of religious liberty, how can they connect with you and with the BJC?
1: Um, uh, We have a website, uh, bjconline.org. Um, It's got a lot of resources and um, some great things. Uh, We're also on social media. We're we're on all the platforms. So that's a great way to follow us and and learn what's happening and and stay up to date. We do have an advocacy team for those. So for those who want to get involved and want to learn about uh, legislation or administrative actions where their their voice could be really helpful in getting something passed or or blocking something that, that might be bad, then they should sign up for our advocacy teams so so that they'll get an alert to those opportunities, and also get opportunities for trainings on on how to be a better advocate. And so that's, that's one of the best ways to be involved for those who want to um, take the knowledge that they get from our website and from other sources, um, and and put that and and put that knowledge into into direct action.
0: Great. And so I will link BJC's website and social media accounts when I post this podcast episodes so that people will know exactly how to find you all and how to connect with the great work that you're doing. And I know that you all also sometimes visit churches or maybe preach at churches. So can you talk more about that? Absolutely. Uh,
1: b- before the pandemic, we, we, we frequently traveled uh, to various churches and would speak either Sunday school, preaching, um, some kind of small group um, activity. Uh, we also go to colleges and universities we will go to most anyone who who is wanting to you know to invite us Um, and we have a couple lecture series that 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 rotate um, around Um, and but even in this pandemic time we have virtually gathered with churches and so i'm leading a sunday school uh, next week uh, for a church in virginia uh, that that i'll do from my home you know just like this Um, and and so those opportunities still exist for how however long this pandemic might last Um, but we are very much looking forward to the opportunity to be back in person with um with our churches and denominations who who support us Um, and because there's nothing like that that personal connection of you know a lunch or a dinner or um you know just
0: being able to shake someone's hand after a lecture definitely so we will look forward to having those in person again and for now connecting with you all virtually and learning more about how we can support the work of religious liberty that's so important. So thank you so much, Jennifer. This was a great conversation. I am I loved hearing from you both about your personal faith journey, but also about the important work that you're doing with the BJC. So thank you for joining us on Cloud and Fire. And everyone, this has been a conversation with Reverend Jennifer Hawkes. Esquire from the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cloud and Fire. You can find Cloud and Fire on Facebook and Instagram at Cloud and Fire Pod. We are a production of First Baptist Church in Beverly, Massachusetts. Our theme music is by the talented Rebecca Silva. Until next time, be well and get home safely.